Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for July 25th, 2010. And I think this will be our last part. Uh, this next part is called Uniting Religions for World Change, the G8 World Religious Summit. Now, this is from Carl Tekakrib of Forcing Change. And he says, points to ponder about the Christian interfaith movement, meaning the movement within pseudo-false Christianity to, to join us with all religions of the world, which is what the Bible predicts will happen in the end times regarding one more religion, economic, political, economic system. Number one, the interfaith approach is a rationally directionless. If all religions are equally valid or hold to some common level of spiritual authenticity, as the interfaith movement asserts, then all religions are ultimately baseless. Therefore, the non-believer can logically reject Christianity as a meaningless sect among many meaningless faiths. For by acknowledging another religion as a vehicle that proclaims the revelation of God, even tentatively the exclusive nature of God is revealed in the Bible, they can no longer be viewed as exclusively true. In other words, if you believe in other religions as equally valid on equal footing, you can't believe the exclusive nature of God revealed in the Bible is true. The door has now been opened to consider any other spiritual claim as legitimate and do not accept these other claims would be to demonstrate an intolerant exclusivity. Now, where, where, what are some Bible verses we can look at regarding this? Isaiah 45, 18. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he established it, he created it not in vain, he formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord God and there is none else. I'd say that pretty much establishes it right there. There is no other God beside the God of the Bible. Uh, then Isaiah 45.22 says, Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. Next verse, I have sworn by myself, and the word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness, and it shall not return, that, every, that unto me every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall swear. And this is a reference to every kneel bowing and every tongue will confess Jesus Christ as Lord. But here we have that same similar verse in Isaiah 45, 23. John 14, 6. Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. John 18, 37. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born. And for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Every one that is of the truth heareth my voice. Then he goes on to say, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Ephesians 4.4 4 says, There is one body and one spirit, that spirit's capital S, is Holy Spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One Lord, one faith. That's it. There's not multiple faiths all out there, and they're all not equally as valid. Okay? The Bible says, Joshua says, you know, you've got to choose whom this day who you're going to serve. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And this is exactly what God wants us to do. And then Ephesians 4, 6 says, One God, the Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Not y'all, but in you all. <laughs> so then, 
Number two, regarding the interfaith position, it muddies the Christian mission of bringing the good news of Jesus Christ as God incarnate who came to redeem sinful humanity. Interreligious bridge building bolsters this idea. Now, this is from a, this is a, I, I can only assume this was a pagan observer to the, to the 2010 G8 World Summit report. She writes, a sacred fire was lit. Now, this is somebody that was at this recent G8 World Religious Summit, 2010, I believe in Toronto. She writes, a sacred fire was lit. Mother Earth, we were told, needs to hear that we love her. So give a prayer of gratitude to the Earth. Where does the Bible say to pray to the Earth? You know, they always talk about Mother Earth, you know. Why don't they ever mention Father Time and, you know, Baby New Year while you're at it? Sorry. Anyway, um... Okay, so we need to give a prayer of gratitude to the earth because out of the Mother Earth comes all we need to live. Yeah, who created and formed the earth? Who created the heavens? Who makes the sun burn and the stars burn and the planets rotate? And, uh, the Lord God in heaven does. And in they're giving all this credit to Mother Earth as though Mother Earth is some independent entity that controls her own destiny. It's ridiculous. But they say, because out of Mother Earth comes all that we need to live. She gives us food, the water, the medicines, and the teachings. You know, you definitely don't want to give credit to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in, in, in John, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. That's what the Bible says about Jesus Christ. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among men. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and so the Word was was God. The same in the beginning was God. And then it says, all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So Jesus Christ is the incarnate Word. And He made everything. But they don't give Jesus Christ credit for any of this. So, then she goes on to say, we were asked to privately perform a water ritual. For this will give strength to Mother Earth. Everything that is alive, even the water, it was explained to the delegates and the observers, has the spirit. We were told that religiously speaking, there is not, there is not only one way, there are many ways. Huh, where does the Bible kind of say that? It says that narrow is the way which leadeth to life eternal, and few there be that find it, but broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be that go thereat. Isn't that kind of funny? They're exactly contradicting the Bible. I wonder who's the author of truth here. Well, we know the word of God is truth. They're liars. They're of their father, the devil, and of his works they will do. They're proving that here. He is the father of lies. That's what the Bible calls him. They say there's not only one way. There are many ways. And to go to the sacred fire and invoke the spirits. Sure, that's exactly what Satan wants you to do. Invoke them. Drummers then summon the power of the eagle spirit because it brings the spirit of love. It brings vision. The eagle carries our wishes and our prayers. And the eagle spirit will tell the great spirit of the wonderful things happening in this gathering. And what a gathering it was as the observer to the 2010 G8 World Religious Summit says. She said, I listened as the open ceremony set the tone for which this, for this remarkable event. The Secretary General um, of this summit, Dr. James Christie, who is also the Dean of Theology at the University of Winnipeg, welcomed us as religious equals. 
stating that it was important that we offer our service and ourselves and our lives to the God we know by so many names. So hey, anything goes. Whatever you worship God and whatever name you worship Him, just it's it's you're all on equal footing. Well, that's actually in that particular setting among non-believers in pagans. Well, that is pretty much true. They, you know, it, they're all on equal footing. They're all unfortunately on their way to hell, and they're taking people to hell. These are the people at the head of their respective religions. People following them are going to follow them straight into hell. And again, these are things that we should pray about because this is, you know, the essence of, of um, you know, false religion is when you really boil it down is, is most likely going to be responsible for more people going to hell than any other thing on the planet. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. This multi-faith perspective was evident in full color. Hindu swamis in flowing orange attire. Members of the Saudi Ministry of Islamic Affairs, dressed in desert garb, Jewish yarmulkes, cross pendants, clerical collars, Shinto robes, Orthodox, Orthodox priests in black. I mean, you got every flavor of false religion you could imagine here. Salvation Army uniforms, and Baha'i leaders, evangelical Christians in business suits, religions from every corner of the planet were represented. Even so, very few people have even heard about the G8 World Religious Summit held in Winnipeg, Manitoba from June 23rd to June 20, from June 21st to 23rd. So this just happened. Nevertheless, what occurred in Winnipeg will likely have a far more real impact than the political G8 summit that we're more familiar with. Why do I say this? Because of the direct lines of influence that radiate from the World Religious Summit right down to the individual bodies. I agree, because these religious leaders are going to go back to their respective apostate congregations and just reinforce these lies. It is a top-down strategy ensuring that religious people will fall in line with an emerging global framework. Ah, the one world religion? I got a feeling that's what they're talking about. A type of world theology, world theology, along with an international system of socialism. Oh good, that's what Obama's ushering us into. The socialistic, communistic, fascistic type of thing. Well, hey, that's where we're moving. And it's going to work particularly well in the Christian community. Isn't that kind of funny? They singled out the Christian community. The history of the G8 World Religious Summit goes back to 2005. That year, Jim Wallace of Sojourners, a left-wing Christian advocacy group, teamed up with the Archbishop of Canterbury to raise the voices of the faith leaders of the world in unity in unity for a call for justice. In 2005 event was a small ecumenical affair made up of representatives from Catholic groups, the National Association of Evangelicals, World Vision, the Salvation Army, the Mennonite Central Committee, and the World Evangelical Alliance and other church bodies. Guarantee you they're all 501c3 corporations up there in America. These leaders released an Action on Poverty document calling for governments to alleviate poverty and for faith communities to generate the necessary moral will. The text itself was very short and ambiguous with an underlying socialist slant. The next year, the G8 Religious Summit 
took place in Moscow, and a host of other religion, religious leaders attended. Leaders from Muslim, Jewish, Buddhist, Hindu, Shinto, along with Christians, pseudo-Christians, they should say, hashed out another declaration, this time calling for a more systematic partnership of religious leaders with, guess who? The United Nations. How do they just, it's like every article, they keep popping up more and more and more. Well, you know, it should be of no surprise, actually. So they want a more systemic partnership with these reprobate apostate religions and religious leaders and the United Nations. We want to all have this one world religion. In 2007 at Cologne, the emphasis was on the UN Millennium Development Goals, whatever that is, and the support for a worldwide climate change protection agreement. What they're trying to do is get on this common ground. Hey, we can all agree on climate change, right? Well, we can all agree on peace and prosperity. Let's not look at what divides us. Let's look at what unites us. That's what they say. Okay, so then it goes on to say, in 2008-2009, the religious leaders met in Japan and Italy. Now, I got a, a little link here to my teaching I did on witchcraft and the emerging one world, new world order religion. Because witchcraft is going to be the coming essence of the one world religious system. Okay, and again, all these religions while they will probably all still retain some semblance of what they were once, there's going to be a global ecumenical push for the uniting of all these religions. And, and this is going to come most aggressively under the Antichrist and the False Prophet. Through lying signs and wonders and miracles, he's going to convince everybody, this is the way to go. You know, I am the awaited Messiah. I am the fifth Buddha. I am, you know, Krishna. I am the Messiah. I am the Christ. I am Imam Mahdi to the to the Muslims. And you know, so that's what they're going to be doing at this point. And and again, this is just all building to that. Everything's falling into place, just as we've predicted for the years that we've been doing these studies. It's all starting to come into place uh, in actually a more aggressive way than I've ever seen it. Going further, it says, Japan's declaration calls, the, when they met in Japan, called for the religions to unite in a commitment to peace. It also recognized that religious communities are the largest social networks, which reach into the furthest corners of, furthest corners of the earth. See, the Antichrist knows that he cannot implement his agenda unless his deception is particularly of a religious slant. He can't unite us through politics or through a one-world monetary system or a one-world economic system. There's way, way, way too much that would still divide us from a religious standpoint. But if he can get everybody on the same level playing field with a one-world religion, everything else will fall into line. If he can get Muslims and Jews agreeing, which he'll, he'll find a way to do that when he confirms that covenant for seven years, and all the rest of the world, through lying signs, wonders, and miracles... That's when it's really going to happen for the one world system of Antichrist and the false prophet. And remember, God's permitting this to happen. It's not like God's up there fretting and saying, oh, I can't believe this is all happening. He predicted in his word it's going to happen. So it shouldn't surprise us and it shouldn't get us down. It's just confirmation that the Bible is the word of God and it is truth. So let's go further here. Um, hence, the Japan summit shared, demanded a system of shared security based on interdependence and the establishment of a, quote, earth fund dedicated to environmental protection and a binding global climate treaty. What, what are these religions 
meeting about that for? Well, it's common ground, evidently. Another document was released in Japan recognizing that Dharmic, pantheistic, and and ancestor traditions of Eastern societies remain a practical tool in defense of the environment. And religious diversity was expounded as part of a divine cosmic order. Therefore, we seek to be to be considered equal partners. See, this is why the Christians will have to go. The true born again Bible believing Christians, because they'll never give they'll never give into this. It will never happen. If you're a true born again Bible believing Christian, you're not going to give into this. You're not going to say, "Oh yeah, you know what? Yeah, all religions are equal, and I'm so self deluded. I got I'm, I'm going to believe." How can you believe that and believe the Bible? It, it, it can't happen. You have to. You got to choose the route that you're going to go. But that's what they're desperately, desperately trying to seek. They want all religions to be on equal footing, especially Christianity, because that's the only true, true, true threat from a. Now I understand there's good angels, there's Jesus Christ, there's God the Father, okay. But from a his, we're ambassadors of Christ on earth. We're we're created in God's image as born again Bible believing Christians, and we're here to wage war in that particular war. And if he can get all of the Christians, well, he's not going to get them all, but as many Christians as possible to see, that's just that many less people that will actually be in that war. He wants as few people in that war as possible. Satan. So he's trying to deceive the maximum number of people so that there's as few people as possible in the war. But that doesn't really matter to God. You know, I mean, look at um, Gideon. And, you know, he didn't, he didn't, he just wanted the people that were hardcore. You know, he, it only takes, but see, you know what's cool about that? You think about it, God gets more glory in that scenario. The fewer the people that are, they're actually fighting the battle, the more glory God gets because it's more obvious that God had to do it, which is kind of cool, you know. But we obviously, we want people to get their eyes open and we want them to be saved and we don't want just like this tiny, but the Bible, you know, traditionally in the Bible, there's usually a remnant. And God always preserves a remnant. And, and I'm not saying that there's not going to be martyrs. Obviously, the Bible predicts that and these types of things. But the Bible says they overcame him, meaning the Antichrist, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they love their lives not unto the death. So, that's how we overcome them. Let's go further. Um, finally, in Rome, when they met in Rome, faith leaders focused on the worsening global economy and broadly called for a new financial pact without really explaining what it would entail. To be fair to the Rome event, the entire summit was overshadowed by the almost simultaneous release of Pope Benedict's encyclical Charity and Truth, which shook the international community in its brazen call for a world political authority with teeth. Quote with teeth. I didn't even know about that. But evidently the Pope um, wanted this world political authority with teeth. Uh... What all this represents from the first event in 2005 until Winnipeg is the international move within pseudo-Christendom to politically unite with other faiths in one community. The motivator? Social justice. World peace. Care for the earth. And alleviating poverty. And who doesn't want peace and healthy environment? And the poor raised above their poverty level. See, they're, they're just trying to unite. This is exactly what Rick Warren's doing with his initiatives. All sounds real good on the outside when until the time when you realize who 
you're in league with, the Bible says to be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. You know, for what communion hath Christ with Belial, which means the devil. So we don't want to do that. Okay, so now, when I was reading this, the Holy Spirit convicted me of what Matreus said. So I went and I checked his newest newsletter, just hot off the presses, okay? And I just got the first thing that he wrote about this last month. And just compare this, what I'm going to read you, to what we just read about the G8 Religious Summit. Share International Magazine, July, August, 2010. This article is entitled, The Search for Peace by Maitreya, a.k.a. who I call Devil Betraya. Through Benjamin Krem, meaning Benjamin Krem trans-channeled demonically Maitreya, and he wrote this. Okay, this is he wrote it on June 13, 2010. Now remember, remember the last statement: the motivator for the coming one world religion, world peace, care for the earth, alleviating poverty. Who doesn't want peace, a healthy environment, and the poor raised above poverty? Okay, what, what's Maitreya saying? Without a doubt, now this is Maitreya. Without a doubt. The most important achievement by humanity would be the ending of war. This achieved men's this achieved men's energies would be released to tackle the many other pressing problems which beset them today. The millions who starve needlessly in the world of plenty, the precarious ecological imbalance of the planet, the ever-widening gap between the developed rich and the developing poor nations, the growing incidence and fear of terrorism, even more sophisticated, the hardship and fear engendered by the economic collapse around the world. From our viewpoint, these problems are real and pressing and stem from one single condition, the separatism which sits like a heavy yoke on the shoulders of humanity and prevents all action in unity. The separatism. Isn't that what this G8 War Religious Summit was just about? Uniting humanity under one war religion? Well, that's what Maitreya is saying to you. He would agree totally. The separatism which sits like a heavy yoke on the shoulders of humanity and prevents all action in unison. Why? Because we're all in these divided factions whether it be Christianity, Hinduism, Shintoism, whatever, we're, we're divided. We need to come together as one. That's what they're saying. Ideology, rather than reason, still guides the minds and actions of governments whose decisions affect the lives of all. Today, the problem is increased by the reopening of the religious divide between Christianity and Islam. In a growing secular world, the fundamentalist adherents of both religions are more and more Bellicose. And that's a word we all need to use a little bit more of bellicose. I like that. Anyway, raising the temperature of confrontation to an ever more dangerous height. Now, how in God's green earth could he accuse the Christians of, uh, I mean, he's basically putting the Christians on the same level as the Islamic people. Like, we're attacking them or something. And, you know, all that stuff in the Sudan and uh, where, where Islam's going there butchering all these people and Islam's doing this and Islam's doing that. How could you possibly lump Christianity, even pseudo-Christianity, in with that? But because Maitreya hates Christianity so much, because he's of his father the devil and of his works he will do, of the lusts he will do, he is always going to try to bring Christianity into these conversations to get us to question it um, to degradate it, to just do anything he can to malign it. So, he goes on to say, in particular, Islamic terrorism, in complete contradiction to the teaching of the Prophet, 
No, it's not. He's a liar. Once again, uh, Devil Betrayer lies right through Benjamin Krem's teeth because he's channeling him. Complete contradiction to the teaching of the Prophet Muhammad? No, it's not. Didn't Muhammad write the Quran? Well, what's the Quran say? The Quran says to slay the infidel. I saw they got, um, there was a, I went up on this website the other day and had this lady holding a gun and she had a shirt on that said infidel. And then it had some Islamic phrase under it, like, come and get me, Mr. Islam guy, because I am an infidel. (laughs) But anyway, because why does it say that? Why was she holding a gun? Because the Quran says that you are to slay the infidel. You are to kill who is an infidel, a non-believer in Islam. Well, that's what the Quran says to kill. you got to kill him. Well, how dare he say this Islamic terrorism is in complete contradiction to the teaching of the Prophet Muhammad? What a liar. The Bible says that Islam, Muslims, are supposed to make jihad against the unbelievers to the Jew first and then to the unbelievers of the Gentiles. What is jihad? Holy war. Kill them. Lie to them. Do whatever you have to do in order to advance Islam. So, he, he says, in complete contradiction to teaching the prophet, has brought a new dimension to the struggle for the peaceful world. How can this process be reversed? There is but one way to grapple with these problems, one which has never been tried, but at a stroke would ease the lot of countless of millions and bring a long, long last, true and lasting peace to a world in agony. So how are we all going to break out of all this agony that, that everybody's in worldwide? What is the only solution to what all our problems stem from, according to Devil Betraya? Men must realize that they are not separate. Never it were... Never were, never shall be. That they are part of a divine and seamless whole which enfolds us all. To which, in our own way, we give the name of God. So, in our own way, whatever we worship God as, that's okay for him. Isn't that what they just said at that G8 religious summit? That there are many paths and that there's many names of God and there's... Huh, he's saying the same thing. Kind of funny. Anyway, um... Men must realize that God is peace, is justice, is sharing and trust. Matreya's task is to show men this truth and to remind them that at the core of their yearning lies the peace they all desire waiting to be made manifest. So that's the answer when he says, what would ease this lot of countless of millions and bring it long, long last, true and lasting peace in a world of agony? Matreya. The Antichrist. What does Daniel 8.25 says? And through his policy, the Antichrist policy, shall he cause craft to prosper in his hand. I believe this is in reference to witchcraft. Because it is called the craft. You you can go by witchcraft manuals. They're called the craft. You can talk uh, a a witch. What is is what she... I'm involved in the craft. He shall cause craft to prosper his hand. He shall magnify himself in his heart. This is the Antichrist. And by peace shall destroy many. Did you know that? He's going to destroy many by peace. What has devil betrayer been saying for years? He's going to come as a man of peace. 
Wow. And the Bible says right here in Daniel 8, 28, the mark of the Antichrist, he's going to come talking peace. Great swelling words of vanity. Peace. But the Bible says by peace, he's going to destroy many. He's going to come as a guy with all the answers. He's got it all figured out on every level. And there's going to be the majority of the planet's going to fall for a hook, line, and sinker. Now he's going to couple that with all these lines, signs, and wonders and miracles, as the Bible says, is the very chief way he's going to deceive the whole world. So that's going to be like the cherry on top of the ice cream. You know? Wow, he's doing all these miracles and stuff. He's healing all these people. He, he, he says that we're, the Bible's, we got it all misinterpreted wrong and that all religions are really kind of going the wrong way and look he can back it up and look he can bring peace to all these nations he can even get Israel and in the Middle East and all these other countries on the same playing field who else could do this people are going to fall for it like crazy and that's just a part of, of what's going to be part of that end time delusion so and by peace it shall destroy many he shall also stand up against the prince of princes Jesus Christ but he shall be broken without hand why? When? When Jesus comes back on that white horse with the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, flaming sword coming out of his mouth with Armageddon. Yeah. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that'll get you fired up. Yeah. Okay, so going further, um, this whole thing about peace and justice and all these things. From um From a from a from a just a peripheral standpoint, from a cursory look, you could say, well, these are admirable goals. But something else is going on, raising the question, what does the Christian community have to sacrifice in the name of the interfaith partnering for social justice? Okay, now we're we're back to the main article. We're we're off Matreya's article. We're back to the main article we were quoting from. Not surprisingly, the only time the name of Jesus Christ came up at this conference, this World Religious Summit was when he was compared to Buddha and Muhammad as a religious figure. Nobody dared present him as the way, the truth, and the life, the only way to the Father. Love, compassion, spiritual law were tossed about freely in the speeches, but nobody was willing to rock the boat by venturing into what Francis, Francis Schaeffer called the true truth. The interfaith approach by default recognizes Jesus as one spiritual leader in a long line of religious form, reformers. Now, that's exactly how Maitreya recognizes him. Okay, and, and again, they get a lot into um, to Jesus. And we'll talk about that in a second. I won't want to bring that up quite yet. Um, but they, they say Jesus is just one of the spiritual leaders in a long line of religious reformers. That's all, nothing more. Hence, at global interfaith events like the one that took place in Winnipeg, Christian representatives remain silent on the subject of Jesus Christ as the truth, the way, the truth, and life, only way to the Father. For to do otherwise would be divisive and contrary to the ideal of a one community church. By default, the Christian community had to sacrifice truth. Therefore, it was no surprise that on different occasions I heard participants criticize Christian missionaries and Christian, quote, fundamentalists. The representative of the Pacific Council of Churches told us that everything is interconnected and that we need to revisit the ancient pagan religions and myths, those ancient ways that were deliberately pushed aside by these terrible Christian missionaries in order to understand and appreciate the interdependence of all religions. Well, I tell you, if this doesn't show you the becoming one with religion, I don't know what will. Another speaker explained that it was time to put aside the past dogmas of traditional faith 
and that the litmus test for all religions in this global era was interdependence and transcendent spirituality. Give me a break. Religions, we were told, repeatedly told, need to unify if the planet is to survive. See, Mother Gaia is going to be grieved if we don't. That's what they're basically saying. Now, you can subscribe to his newsletter. I gave you a, a link there. It's www.forcingchange.org is the man that wrote that article. Next article is by Warren Smith. Quantum spirituality has entered the church through Christian leaders. Leonard Sweet is definitely one of the point men for today's emerging postmodern purpose-driven church movement. As Rick Warren has aligned himself with Leonard Sweet. It is important to remember that Sweet has described the former and present, present New Age figures as heroes and role models. And this is who Rick Warren has yoked himself up with. Leonard Sweet has openly acknowledged that his quantum new cell theory understanding of the new light leadership was formulated with the help of veteran New Age leader David Spangler. When I saw that, I, I said, oh my word. David Spangler, uh, let me just read this to you. The teachings of Alice Bailey, Benjamin Krem, and David Spangler, along with numerous other influential New Age writers, state that we are about to undergo a mass planetary initiation, a Luciferic initiation, that will usher us into the New Age. This is the age of Aquarius. And this is who Rick Warren is essentially aligning himself with. An age that many a poet and philosopher have written about. A golden age of peace, harmony, and brotherhood. Doesn't this just line up with that G8 religious summit? We just heard all that talk and with what Maitreya is saying on his website and now what they're saying. And this is within Christianity. Rick Warren, you know, right? David Spangler called it the Luciferic Initiation. Because of its association with the experience of light. Call it a planetary Pentecost, like Barbara Marx Hubbard, or another name given by H.P. Blavatsky, the starter of the Theosophical Society. Who I, if you want to know more about this, go up to the internet and go to Age uh, Aquarius, Age of Evil, the documentary that just came out by Keith Truth. And they interview me several places. It is not because they interview me, but it is the best explanation of this subject that I've ever seen. It's a little bit technical in some parts, but it's an incredible explanation on this. It's pretty long, but it's well worth your time if you're, if you're unfamiliar with what we're talking about here. Uh, I talk primarily a lot about Maitreya in the interviews, um, but there's a lot of other experts there, Constance Cumbie and Chris White and other people that they, they talk to. Uh, they give a lot of quotes from H.P. Blavatsky and Alice Bailey and Maitreya and these types of people to verify what we're saying here. Okay, going back to this, it says, once one experiences this new light, they are changed with a new set of views and values that encompasses their whole life. It will be political, spiritual, or by education. You have to understand that this Luciferic initiation is something that is very real. It is, if you experience this, if you embrace this, it's literally like you saying, come into me, demons. You will be changed, and they will give you a sense of euphoria. And a sense of peace, a false sense of peace and euphoria. They, at least that'll be the way it is initially. Then as Satan really bears, starts to bear his fangs like he always will, you'll realize you got yourself into something that you should have never gone into. But many times it'll be too late at that point. 
But understand that this isn't just something that's some head decision. This is something that is demonic. This is something where when people embrace this, and I don't know if this will have to do with the day of declaration that Maitreya talks about, where everybody worldwide will supposedly hear his voice telepathically and will um, receive whatever he's going to say, and that there will be different things up in the skies representing different religions, holographic images and things of this nature that they say, they can do that through Project Bluebeam. I'm sure it'll be a combination of that and demonic things. What if there's, at the same time, a mass UFO appearance over the world? I mean, there's so many UFO sightings right now. They had to shut an uh, airport down in um, Japan the other day, because, and then it happened again a week later. Or was it China? Oh, Japan or China, I'm sorry. But, you know, it, they're getting more and more and more flagrant with the UFO sightings. Well, are you telling me nothing is going to ever come of any of that? Maitreya says that when he makes his appearance with the Ascended Masters, that part of that is going to be, the UFOs are going to come, and they're going to act as though they have command over these fleets. And, you know, I mean, the deception that's coming is, is unlike anything this world has ever known. Let's go further here. Uh, so, the teachings of these devils saying that we're going to undergo a mass planetary initiation that will usher us into the new age. This Luciferic initiation. If men look for Christ, for the Christ who left his, his disciples centuries ago, they will fail to recognize the Christ who is in the process of returning. Who said that? Alice Bailey. How did she get that word? She got it through trans-channeling through Dijual Cool. Doesn't he sound like a rap star, Dijual Cool? You know, or some guy that started his own line like Grape Poupon Mustard? I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah, that's how she channeled it. And that's from the Reappearance of the Christ, Chapter 3, World Expectancy. And I give you all the, all the references here for that. So, yeah, um, if men look for the Christ who left his disciples a century ago, they will fail to recognize them. So in other words, it's going to be a different Christ. She's saying it right there. It's going to be another Christ. Well, Jesus Christ said himself, if you see, if they say to you, here is Christ or there is Christ, go not there. There will be many antichrists in the end times. There are only going to be one antichrist, capital A, but there's going to be many antichrists. So again, you know what's funny is so much of the time these New Age writings confirm the warnings in the Bible. They confirm it to a T. Benjamin Krem, who is the voice of the proclamation of the supposed new Christ, Maitreya, says that Master Jesus is going to, going to come back with Maitreya to reform the Christian churches. Oh, Master Jesus. Hmm. Did you know I did a teaching on that? It's called Deception of Foot, Maitreya and Master Jesus. Did you know that the Islams... The Islamic people are fully expecting when Imam Mahdi, who Maitreya says he's going to be, when he comes back, he's going to come back with Jesus. They talk about Jesus in the Quran. And they don't talk about him in, in a derogatory term. They, they don't put him on the level of Imam Mahdi. Okay, or the 12th Imam, as they refer to him as. Who, who, who is that? They're a weighted savior. But they say Jesus is coming back with him. He's going to be subservient. Well, that's what Maitreya says. Maitreya says that the Jesus that came here 2,000 years ago and died on the cross, the only way he got the power to do what he did is because Maitreya 
when he got baptized by John the Baptist, Maitreya came down and overshadowed him and actually gave him the ability then at that point to perform all the miracles that he performed. That's the only reason Jesus was able to do what he did. That's what Maitreya teaches. He overshadowed him. He's the only reason. They said that's when his ministry began. In other words, what they're basically saying um, is that when the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove came down upon Jesus, the Bible says that he had the Holy Spirit without measure, Jesus Christ. Well, they're saying that Holy Spirit was Maitreya. And that he dominated the age of Pisces. And now we've got to go into the age of Aquarius. And Master Jesus is going to come back with Maitreya and be subservient to him. And guess who he's, who he's going to be in charge of? Uniting the Christian faith. If you haven't heard this teaching I did on Maitreya and Master Jesus, you need to listen to it. Because that's going to be one of the main deceptions that is thrust upon the Christian church. Right there. I was just talking a little bit about this whole Master Jesus deception. And we, we look at all these long-haired pictures of this Jesus that's commonly portrayed in the church. These images were first portrayed to the masses hundreds of years ago by the Catholic Church. Uh, I believe through Michelangelo primarily. And is now promoted by the New Age movement as well. This Jesus that they're portraying always has long hair and many times has a halo over its head. The halo is represented as a pagan is a pagan symbol. It's an Egyptian sun disk. It has nothing to do with anything in, in good in the Bible. Okay? This Jesus also doesn't line up with the word of God from 1 Corinthians 11.14 that says, Doth not nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him. Uh, New Age site of um, reads, Sananda Emmanuel, which is actually going to be his name, or Master Jesus. Sananda Emmanuel plays the role of Jesus in the astral realm and near-death experiences. He is one of the, the one Michelangelo painted a portrait of that the churches then accepted as a picture of Jesus. Most churches today have pictures of the Sananda hanging in them somewhere. Most believers correlate the picture of Jesus that they see as a real Jesus when it is really the Sananda Emmanuel who will come to earth with Maitreya, playing Jesus, the Son of God. A very good deception. The church was groomed for this one hundreds of years ago. You see how far back these deceptions go? And guess what? The Shroud of Turin looks kind of like that, too. It's a long-haired guy. I've totally debunked the Shroud of Turin. It cannot be um, from so many different biblical angles, and we don't have time to get into that today. But I did a whole teaching on that. Just go up to YouTube and key in... Scott Johnson and Turin, or, or Shroud, you'll find it. Now, Sananda Emmanuel, this ascended master, that, that the Islam, Islamic people are expecting to come with Imam Mahdi, after much bloodshed, claims and admits that Sanat Kumara, who is another ascended master, is his father. Who is Sanat Kumara in the ascended master? It's another name for Satan. Sanat. All you got to do is, is juxtapose a couple words there and you got Satan. Hmm, it's kind of funny. Kind of like Saturn, which is also representative of Satan. Saturn, the sixth planet from the sun. Hmm, Saturn has six letters. Six, that's not a great number. Hmm. Saturn, which is actually symbolic of Satan. The star of Saturn is actually the hexagram, which is the six-pointed star. That is on the Israeli flag, unfortunately. And that's a whole other teaching I've done on the hexagram. 
whole other uh, thing. Now, this is from Wikipedia. The Master Jesus is Jesus as conceived by the... This is what is commonly known. But Master Jesus is the Jesus as conceived by the metaphysical system of theosophy. Oh my word, seriously? Yeah, theosophy. Madame Blavatsky. Which is going to be the coming essence of the one world religion, which is Luciferianism. Which is nothing more than repackaged Satan worship. As opposed to the historical Jesus of Nazareth or the Jesus Christ of the Christian religion. This master Jesus. He is regarded by theosophists as the master of the sixth ray. Um, now, this is from Share. This is from Sharon, or no, this is from a, a New Age website. The Ascended Master, or Sananda Emmanuel, Master Jesus, has taken a new position as world teacher and is in charge of reforming today's religion and creating a universal church, according to Master St. Germain, another Ascended Master. Master Sananda holds the office of the personal Christ as the great exemplar of each one's own holy Christ self. Master Jesus, Sananda, has the task of purifying the Christian churches and removing the man-made dogmas and doctrines which have corrupted the purity of his teachings. Now, can you imagine? You've got the Antichrist appearing and good old Master Ascended Master Sananda Emmanuel, devil, false Jesus over here, what is his main role? Well, what better role than purifying, as they say, the Christian churches and removing man-made dogmas and doctrines? He's going to say, you, your Bible's just so messed up. It's not even hardly remotely accurate. I'm going to tell you what the real truth is. Who better to do it than a false Jesus? Supposedly, the Bible has corrupted the purity of his teachings. During his incarnation as Jesus, he came to teach us all that we have the power to create and heal. Jesus said, these and greater things shall thou do. Um, now again, why would he say that? Why would he focus in on that? Because he's preparing us for the lying signs and wonders. Did you know when the Antichrist and the false prophet come, they're going to heal people. They're going to do it. Lying signs and wonders and miracles. It happens all the time, still. People get healed in Hinduism, Buddhism. Just because somebody gets healed doesn't mean it's, it's from God. Okay? Uh, then it goes on to say, he demonstrated God through his healings, his crucifixion, his resurrection on the outer plane in the material world. He manifested the path of the initiate. The path of every spiritual seeker will eventually result in the seekers. And then I give you a whole bunch of pictures of this Jesus that they talk about. All I'm saying is that you better be real careful of this guy. Now, here's straight from Share International, the horse's mouth. What do they say about this subject? Maitreya will be aided by the Master Jesus when he appears. Who is predicted to soon take control of what? The Roman Catholic Church. Imagine that. I wonder if he's going to be the next Pope. I don't know. And lead Christianity to accept Maitreya as the Christ returned. Wow. So he's going to be the guy pointing to Maitreya. This guy that looks exactly like all those pictures Michelangelo and the Catholic Church gave us. The disciple Jesus, who is now Master Jesus, why they call him that? Because he's the disciple of Maitreya. That's what they say. He was born in Palestine as a third degree initiate. The five major initiations which take one to liberation have their symbolic enactment in life, have their symbolic enactment in the life of Jesus. That is what makes the gospel story is really all about. In other words, we got it all wrong. It is a very ancient story and has been presented to mankind again and again in different forms, long before the time of Jesus. 
which is the whole zeitgeist thing, which I don't have time to get into today, and that's garbage too. He was and still is a disciple of the Christ, Lord, I don't like to call him Lord, but Maitreya, and made the great sacrifice of giving up his body for the use of the of Maitreya. By the occult process of overshadowing, the Christ, or Maitreya, took over and worked through the body of Jesus from baptism onward. In his next incarnation, as Apollonius of Tyrana, Jesus became a master. He lives now in a Syrian body that is close to some 600 years old and has his base in Rome. He's already in Rome, they say. Waiting. He has in the last 2,000 years, worked in closest relation to the Christ, saving his time and energy where possible, and has a special work to do with the Christian churches. Hmm, I bet he does. He is one of the masters who will very shortly return to the outer work of the world, taking over the throne of St. Peter in Rome. It sounds to me like he's going to be the next pope. Now, granted, we're we're dealing with liars here, so I don't know how this is going to play out, but that's what they're saying. Then he goes on to say he will seek to transform the Christian churches insofar as they are flexible enough to respond correctly to the new reality which the return of the Christ and the masters will create. Whereas the Bible says to seek ye the old past wherein is wisdom, but everything's going to be new. And you see a lot of that in, in, um, in, in the church. So anyway, I just wanted to touch on that. It's a very important subject, and I think it's going to really hoodwink a lot of people. Um, regarding that. So let's go further here. Okay, so this is a quote by Alice Bailey from Externalization of the Hierarchy, Lucius Publishing, which stands for Lucifer Publishing, 1957. So this reform we're talking about means change. When you look at mysticism now taking place inside the church, along with the practices of other religions being added, one cannot also think about this prophecy of Alice Bailey. Which says, quote, this church will be nurtured into activity by the Christ, Maitreya, and his disciples when the outpouring of the Christ principle, which is the true second coming, has been accomplished. So when Maitreya or the Antichrist makes his big debut, they're saying that's the true second coming. The Christian church in its many branches can serve as a nucleus through which world illumination may be accomplished. The Christian church? Yeah, the false apostate one we just looked at. They're going to be the ones that serve as the nucleus through which world illumination may be accomplished. The church, as a teaching factor, should take the great basic doctrines and shattering old forms in which they are expressed in hell, meaning like the Bible, and show their true and inner spiritual significance. This is interesting. Teachers must be trained. This is Alice Bailey. Bible knowledge must be spread, but it's got to be a false interpretation of the Bible. The sacraments must be mystically interpreted. Now, that's very much within the realm of the Catholic Church. The sacraments must be mystically interpreted, and the power of the church to heal must be demonstrated. Not weird, quote by Alice Bailey, but that healing is going to be part of the lion signs and wonders of the Antichrist and false prophet. Additionally, Leonard Sweet describes mystical New Age priest Pierre Tellard de Chardin as the 20th century's major, Christianity's major voice. And while sweet, Sweet's almost in-your-face New Age sympathies are there for all to see, Rick Warren and other Christian figures continue to hold him in high esteem. But it's just business as usual, as Warren's apologist tells us, that doctrinally, theologically, Leonard Sweet is about as Christian 
as anyone can get. That's what they're saying about this guy. Now, I give you two links. One I did on Rick Warren. It's called Rick Warren Leading Apostate Christianity Straight to Hell. I know it's a nice, light, fluffy title. And then I do another one, Rick Warren and Rupert Murdoch, Saddleback's most infamous member. Saddleback is where Rick Warren has his church. Did you know Rupert Murdoch was one of the most evil men on the planet? That's his church, Rick Warren's. Anyway, going further, while appearing to be somewhat of a 21st century renaissance man who leaves everybody in the wake of his postmodern intellect, Leonard Sweet's scientific postmodern quantum New Age view on things raises some critical questions, particularly in regard to his association with Rick Warren. If Warren, Sweet, and other Christian leaders continue to move the church towards this new spirituality, how will it ultimately play out? Will we see Warren, Schuler, Sweet, McLaren, and other New Age leaders signing a mutual accord someday, affirming that God is in everything? Well, that's pantheism. What will the proclamation be based on new scientific findings from quantum physics? Will they explain that Pierre Teilhard de Chardin and, and the God of Neil, Donald Walsh, and William Young had it right? That this subatomic reality is that God is in every atom, that God really is scientifically speaking in everyone and everything. Proverbs 13.20 says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. If ever there was a companion of fools, if you're yoking up with this, saying you're going to be destroyed. But he that walketh with wise men shall be wise. Romans one twenty one because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. That's exactly what we're talking about here. But what about the inevitable reaction that will come from those referred to by Rick Warren as fundamentalists when they accuse Warren of flip-flopping? Will Warren defend his new worldwide view by repeating what he said at the Saddleback Civil Forum? He says, quote, sometimes flip-flopping is smart because you actually have decided a better position based on knowledge that you didn't have, end of quote. Well, the Bible says in James 1.8 that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Armed with seemingly scientific facts from quantum physics, Will Warren defend his new worldwide view by stating, quote, that's not flip-flopping. Sometimes that's growing in wisdom. Is there anywhere Warren Sweet and other Christian leaders will try to take this church? Oh yeah, I bet there is. Are they about to take a big quantum leap into the new spirituality of the new age, the age of Aquarius, that is based on the findings of this new science? Given the continued new age impl implications of the emerging purpose-driven movement, it would seem that this is a real pop, uh, possibility. Now, when I read this, it reminded me of this book from this reprobate. I went to one of his charismatic meetings and just sat there, me and, and um, Doug that was in our, our, uh, our home church there. We just prayed pretty much the whole time we went in there. It was a guy named David Herzog. He was this charismatic, crazy, nutty guy that went in there. Supposedly, when we were going to go there, we were going to see jewels manifesting on the seats and glory, golden dust, and everybody's fillings turning into gold and whatever else happens, those feathers falling out of the air. Well, we didn't see any of that. We prayed the whole time, and we prayed if it was, you know, if these were all demonic manifestations, that God wouldn't let any of it happen. And you know what? None of it happened. Not one thing happened that night. Nothing. And that was the only night. It didn't happen from what we, from what we read, because I was reading his little posts along the way. I was monitoring it. So praise the Lord Jesus Christ. 
But this guy wrote this book, this David Herzog. He reminded me of a guy that was getting ready to go to a nightclub. I mean, if you look at his website, it, him and his wife, I mean, they look like they're going to go clubbing. They look like they're going to uh, a night on the town. Hey, we're going to go to I mean, that's how they, they come off looking. It's really, really weird. Uh, I mean, anyway, he wrote this book called The Glory Zone, and I remember it. And um, I went to his website, and, I, and I'm going to give you the description of The Glory Zone because it meshes with what we just talked about. It says, is there something beyond your current Christian experiences that seems to be lacking? Is God calling you to the next level of his glory? Through scripture and first-hand experience, author David Herzog unravels the mystery of, number one, quantum physics and the glory. Didn't, weren't they just talking about quantum physics? Hmm. It's like the Bible verse talks about the oppositions of, of science falsely. We're going to have science. We're going to have false religious leaders. We're going to have ascended masses. We're going to have the deception coming at us on every single level that you could possibly imagine. And this is just one more. The church is going to be one of the main vehicles. The pseudo-church is going to be one of the main vehicles for this deception. Quantum physics and the glory. And then the next part. How creation obeys your word. Prophetic and revelatory glory. Walking on water and through walls. Now, that's one I'd really like to see how they're doing that one. Walking through water and through walls. Evidently, he does it all the time. It's no big deal, you know. You haven't done that. You haven't, you know. You don't have enough faith, evidently. Okay, next one. Invading governments with the glory. The next one. Geographical portals and gateways. Oh, imagine that. That doesn't line up with all these new agers going around the planet, going to these supposed portals where ley lines cross and all these cursed events took place and witches go to do their their stuff. They go up into the high places and they build altars and they do all the stuff. It has nothing to do with that, I would imagine. No, I'm sure it doesn't. Anyway, then the next part is creative miracles and resurrections. Dreams, visions, and being transported. And then supernatural provision. I got this right off his website. I give you the link if you want to go see it. Anyway. On May 23rd, 2005, Rick Warren spoke at a Pew Forum on religion and stated the following. Quote, today, there really aren't that many fundamentalists left. I don't know if you know that or not, but there's such a minority, there really aren't that many fundamentalists left in America. Now the word fundamentalist actually comes from a document in the 1920s called the Five Fundamentals of Faith. It's very legalistic, very narrow view of Christianity, end of quote. All that fundamentalist means is you believe in the fundamental teachers of the Bible and you're going to fundamentally follow them. Just like somebody that's a fundamental believer in Islam follows the tenets of the Quran. You know, but he doesn't follow the Bible or want anything really to do with it, so I can understand why he'd say that. And he is right, pretty much, that there really aren't a lot of fundamentalists left. I hate to say that, but kind of bears things out with the way the world's moving. Okay, and let's see here. New book by World Daily Net takes on the heresy of the shack. Millions of evangelical Christians are among the masses who have embraced William Paul Young's The Shack as though it were gospel. We talked about this last week, this blasphemous book. Millions of Christians have embraced this book as it were the gospel. Even three years since its release, The Shack has remained on numerous bestseller lists for more than a hundred weeks. A claim no other book can make. Yet it is infused with counterfeit Christianity, argues burning down The Shack, how the Christian bestseller is deceiving millions. There's a book written about this. 
a new title from World Daily Net that publishes on June 1st. Worse, says author James DeYoung, its depiction of God as an African woman who suffered Christ's crucifixion and the book's exclusion of any existence of Satan in hell represent just some of the many dangerous deceptions. Did you know that's how the shack presented Christ? As an African woman who suffered Christ's crucifixion. What are these people thinking reading this? I, I just, I can't even comprehend. Ugh. Talk about doctrines of devils. If such deceptions which upend biblical teachings on sin, redemption, salvation, and damnation go unchallenged, says DeYoung, this feel-good novel could prove terribly divisive and destructive to millions of Christians. Oh yeah, that's an understatement. The shack presents a depiction of God that changes, quote, the glory of incorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man, says Joseph Farah, publisher and COO World Daily Net Books. Citing Romans one twenty three. um... Oh, that was citing Romans one twenty three, But Paul Young also offers a warped portrayal of the Trinity, denies the supreme divinity of Jesus Christ, diminishes the realities of sin without redemption, and shrugs off damnation. 2 Thessalonians 2, 7-12 says, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. This mystery of iniquity, this mystery of this sin, is working right now. This is regarding the day and times we're living in, this, this portion of scripture. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. What that is in reference to is some type of holy restraining force who is, when he's taken out of the way, this mystery of iniquity will even get, I believe, much worse than it even is now. And then shall that wicked be revealed. When this taken out of the way, the wicked shall be revealed. The wicked is with a capital W. This is in reference to the Antichrist. And all you have to do is read this chapter to understand that. The wicked will be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, the sword of the spirit, which is going to come out of his mouth when he comes back on that white horse, faithful and true, the King of kings and Lord of lords, that spirit's going to, that sword of the spirit's going to come out of his mouth and consume that devil and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Woo. Yeah, praise the Lord. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan <clears throat> with all power, signs and lying wonders. That's what we just talked about. Yeah, he's going to come with all power, signs and lying wonders. But remember, God's letting him do it. With all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Why? Because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion. That's what we're talking about. Almost every week now. That they should believe a lie. That they might all be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Some people might get upset about that verse, but you know, it's what the Bible, your, your argument's not with me, it's with God. So, that's what God says he's going to do, and I believe that's what he is doing right now. Um, let's see here. Home Depot, target of boycott. Sponsorship of gay pride festivals has gotten a major U.S. retailer in hot water with the American Family Association. So much so that prominent pro-family group is asking the supporters to boycott the retailer. For several years, the Home Depot has given its financial and corporate support to open displays of homosexual activism on main streets in American towns. And it says it will continue to do so. Here's a quote by company spokesman Stephen Holmes. At the end of the day here, we're not going to forbid our associates to be involved in these gay pride festivals in any way. 
rejecting several requests by AFA to remain neutral in the cultural war, Home Depot, which is no better than Frito-Lay or Pepsi or a lot of these other organizations that do the exact same thing, um, has chosen to sponsor and participate in numerous gay pride parades and festivals. The most grievous is the Home Depot's deliberately exposing small children to lascivious displays of sexual conduct by homosexuals and cross-dressers, which are common occurrences at these events. Yeah, bring the little kids. Bring your, bring your children. How sickening. The goal of every homosexual organization supported by the Home Depot is to get homosexual marriage legalized. Uh, BoycottTheHomeDepot, I believe, dot com. BoycottTheHomeDepot.com. I give you a link here. Provides just a glimpse of how broad its support for the homosexual movement is. The Home Depot says it is committed to the furthering of the homosexual agenda. Do you have a question? Okay, so you can see this for yourself. There's photos at BoycottTheHomeDepot.com taken during recent homosexual events sponsored by Home Depot. And they show children being encouraged to visit gay sex websites. Children. Employees using property to push gay marriage. And Home Depot employees riding and marching in homosexual parades. Take action. You can sign this boycott. Don't go there. That's what I do. Don't go there. Um, but there's boycottthehomedepot.com. Call your local store manager. There's a number, there's a little link here you can click to find the local store manager. And print this paper petition and distribute it at your Sunday school or church. But if you go to 501c3 corporate church, they may not like that because you're getting into some hot water there. Anyway, uh, last thing I'm just going to mention is a link, an audio link to here, Dr. Phil Stringer, who I absolutely think is a wonderful preacher does one of the best jobs I've ever seen of defending the King James Bible from a biblical standpoint and also giving church history. He wrote a really good book. It's called The Faithful Baptist Witness. Now, it's not about, to me, it's not so much about a Baptist thing. It's about what is the true history of the church starting from the apostles on up. It doesn't come through the Catholic lineage like a lot of people think. We are Protestants. No, we're actually not. The Protestants came out of the Protestant Reformation. Why? Because they were protesting the Catholic Church. You know, Martin Luther, the 95 Theses, nailed to the door, that whole thing. Okay, The true church came up actually a different way. Now, I'm not saying there's not people saved that will call themselves Protestants. But I'm saying, if you really look at the true history of the true church as it came through the apostles, when they were first called Christians in Antioch, um... You look at the Anabaptists and the Waldensians and the Lombards and those types of people. This is what this book gets into. It's very, very good. You can find it on the internet. Uh, Dr. Phil Stringer, S.T. Stringer, S-T-R-I-N-G-E-R. It's called The Faithful Baptist Witness. It's an excellent book written on that. Anyway, he did a uh, speech at uh, the 15th Annual Dean Burgeon Society. And it's entitled The Messianic Claims of Gail Ripplinger. Gail Ripplinger's from what I'm seeing, it's just totally went off the deep end. I mean, nutty deep end here, okay? And unfortunately, at this point, she needs to be exposed for what she is. And so anyway, he gives you a link there, and uh, you can go up BibleForToday.org. Uh, Dr. Um, Waite, who's been a good friend of mine for a long time, has over 60-plus years defending the King James Bible and the underlying Greek and Hebrew text. 60-plus years, I didn't say that wrong. He, um, she's attacked him like you wouldn't believe because he found out that she's got, 
two divorces, three marriages. Uh, she's almost literally sounds like she's got her own cult now. Is what it boils down to, and she just threatens to sue everybody that that would come against her in any way, shape, or form. And uh, anyway, I just wanted to promote this link. It, it's it's in my it's in there. You can go to deanburgensociety.org or Bible for Today, uh, I believe .org, and uh, you can click on the link here and, and listen to the message. Anyway, that's all for today. Let's go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and this time that you've given us for letting us come together another time. We praise you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. We praise you for what the Lord Jesus Christ did on the cross to save our souls, his finished work, the blood he shed to redeem us. Um, we just pray, Lord God, for unsaved family members and, and um, for those around us in the workplace or wherever we, we may be, that, that their souls be saved, that your, the Holy Spirit conviction would be upon them, that the fear of God would be upon them, and that these things would drive them to the Lord Jesus Christ and that their souls would be saved. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray that you'd forgive us for any and all sins we've committed in any way, shape, or form as we forgive those who have sinned against us, that thy will will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart will be pleasing and acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. We ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.